From Capital Analytics, I'm Abby Malone, and this is Invest Insights. Every week, we bring you perspectives, business advice, and more from the leading executives, entrepreneurs, and investors who are building, diversifying, and leading the way in the country's fastest-growing metro markets. Real leaders, real insights, right now. Welcome to Invest Insights. I'm Abby Malone. I'm joined today by Ginger Barton, the CEO of American National Bank. Ginger, thank you so much for being with me today. I'm really excited to join you, Abby. So we're going to be looking at all these new norms that were started due to the pandemic and how it's shaping the future of banking and finance. However, I first wanted to start by asking you, what are some new personal norms that you started due to the pandemic that you know you're going to carry with you in this post-pandemic climate? Wow, I love that question because I have a very current answer. I just got back from uh, Winter Park, Colorado, where I have a second home. And what I have done uh, since the pandemic is been spending a lot more time there. It's a lot more acceptable to be working remotely. And the great thing with uh, internet and Zoom calls and and email, you can really work you know anywhere. So I'm going to spend more time in Colorado. And it's nice to go from the very flat <laughs> to the very mountainous. <laughs> Exactly. While many banks have been using the pandemic to further uh, their online and technology platforms, sometimes at the cost of their physical locations, what do you believe is the continued importance of brick and mortar locations to the future of banking? And what do you foresee as the future of the banking branch? And how, with a single location, are you looking to adapt and stay the course? Well, you know, Abby, the thing about us uh, having the single location, it also goes back to the type of bank American National is. And we are a commercial bank, a business bank with a focus on commercial real estate. And so I think for our customers, having a physical location enhances that relationship and that ability for somebody to come in when they want to borrow money to buy their own building or investment property, telling their story, uh, as opposed to sometimes if you're just trying to do just things by technology, and you don't fit that box and check off all the points, you're not going to be able to borrow. So a relationship, coming in, talking, as opposed to doing everything online, people still need that, especially business people. Um, So we're continuing to invest in technology, and we want to stay current from a technology standpoint. But having that physical location is critical for us as a community bank. While the economy-wide effect of the interest rates seems to be a bit of a net positive with lending opportunities, how does the current environment pose a challenge for banks of all sizes, but particularly small and uh, local banks that may not have the fee income that institutional pillars may have? Well, I do believe that community banks are having a feeling a greater pressure and what we call in the banking industry as net income uh, margin compression, NEM, we call it NEM. And that means that uh, we've lowered our interest rates and that we're charging on loans. We've also lowered our rates that we're paying on deposits that what, you know, we call that really our spread. And that's how we make money is on our margin. But we've really had a, a larger compression with these rates being close to, to zero uh, that where Fed has them. So here's what happens with a larger bank. They have a lot more uh, diversity. So they might have credit cards, they, they, the wonderful residential lending, insurance, trust services. They have all these other things that supplement their bottom line. Whereas a community bank, we're strictly dependent on our uh, net interest margin. And so we're really, we we feel it. 
now, um, you know, thank goodness, uh, I think that community banks are still doing fine. But yes, it is. There's pressure. There's pressure. Even the big banks are feeling it, too. They just have more options of how to manage it than we do. While prices across industries are going up, the consensus seems to be divided on whether inflationary pressures are a result of the high amount of stimulus passed over the last year or a result of supply chain issues having a ripple effect across um, affected industries. What do you consider to be the chief driver of inflation currently? And what are the ways in which interest rates may play a role in addressing these concerns if inflation is a result of the past stimulus? And what might be the consequences of raising rates if the current price hikes are a result of supply chain? Well, Abby, I have to tell you, uh, this question was really way above my uh, above my head. And I do appreciate actually seeing this in advance because I actually had to reach out to uh, the advisor that we use at the bank who really has more of an economist you know, background and really studies this. That's his full-time job. And that's why we rely on him for really advising us. And so he, I get, I posed this question to him. I'm like, I need your help. And so he did give me some, some insight here. But I have to tell you, it's a very complicated, this question that you ask, which it's a great question. And it is being you know posed, I think. But so I would say as far as whether it's the stimulus or supply chain, it really is both. But here is uh, what was explained to me that we're experiencing that we haven't experienced really since World War you know, One is that there's two things affecting it, both the fiscal policy and monetary policy. So what does that mean? Well, the fiscal policy is where the government is, is from a fiscal standpoint, is sending out stimulus. But then you've got the Fed from a monetary policy that is putting a lot of money in the system by their buying. So what we have, we have excess cash. And here's some of the numbers you know, that excess savings right now are $2 trillion. So people have more money than they've said they've had. And so what are they doing? They're spending, you know, that they're spending that money, but it's really causing a very complex uh, situation. So then we go to your question. All right. Well, where does, where do rates fall as far as whether it's stimulus or is it the supply chain? So the excess buying, the people that they're doing, if interest rates went up, maybe that would motivate them to quit spending as much and actually save more. So if they saved more and they were spending less, that would help with the supply chain part of it. Now, then let's go to the the other part is the supply chain so here's an example. So let's just say, you know, you, you go and you, you bought a new house and now you need furniture. So you go and you're, you want to buy new furniture and they say, hey, we don't have that furniture because of our supply chain. But guess what? We have this piece and it's going to cost you two times what it normally would. Mm. And so, you know, therefore, the lack of, of supply is is driving up. Uh, the inflationary you know, prices. So let's just go back to that buying a house. People are borrowing more money because it's cheap. Yes. Well, if we raised rates, 
then maybe people would quit buying things like houses because they would say, hey, I can't afford that interest rate. And then that would give the, the supply side a chance to catch up. Prices would probably go down. So we're really in a very unusual economic situation. And I don't think it's going to be easily addressed. That's my response to those questions. Very good. And now that we find ourselves in this new economy, this new landscape, what's next for American National Bank? Well, you know what we're going to do? Um, we're going to keep doing what we've done that really, I think, has, has led to our success. And, and that is we still believe there is a place for community banks. There are people who want to bank with a community bank, uh, have that more personal relationship where people know their names and understand their business and want to see them uh, succeed. And you know what, Abby, I believe there's enough banking to go around for everyone, because here's what I know. We can do some things that a big bank can't do just because of our flexibility. I use this example. It's like we're the speedboat. So if we need to adapt and be flexible, we can. You have a large bank. They're like a battleship. Mm -hmm. And for them to adapt and be flexible, it takes them a, a longer a longer time to do that. And they have to be more structured and standardized just by their share size. Yet, they're going to be able to do things for certain customers that a community bank can't do. So I think it just depends on what the individual need might be, you know, what you want, whether you're a consumer, whether you're a business person. And so I do believe that there's a demand and a need for community banks. And so we're going to keep trying to fill, you know, that specific uh, niche that we find ourselves in. Great. Well, thank you again. That's Ginger Martin, the CEO of American National Bank. My name is Abby Maloney. Ginger, thank you again. Thanks, Abby. You've been listening to Invest Insights. Be sure to follow, rate, and review this podcast to hear more. I'm Abby Maloney. Thank you for tuning in.